Well, I'm just curious, out of curiosity, how many of you have been coming to Cherry Hills uh, within the last year? Maybe even this Sunday is your first Sunday. Would you be willing to raise your hand? I know we don't like raising our hands and all that, but could you just raise your hand? Well, that's pretty awesome and pretty amazing, and we just want to uh, say to you again, we hope that you have felt a sense of welcome here, uh, but we also want to recognize, as Pastor Brian said earlier, that this Sunday is going to be a little bit different than any other normal Sunday that you might have chosen to come and attend, and that's because on the last Sunday of every August, we have made it a practice to set aside this week on what we call Vision Sunday, and I've often thought of Vision Sunday this way. It's sort of like the President's State of the Union address. You know, he stands up once a year, and he declares here's where we were as a nation and here's where we're going and in a similar way we want to make sure as the church that we're staying on track with the mission that Jesus had for us after all this is Christ's church right this isn't my church it's not Jeff's church it's not your church it's Christ's church and we're just stewarding it for him and for his sake and for his glory and so we want to make sure that we're always staying on track with his mission and here's what I want to say right off the bat this morning if you got your message notes ready and that's helpful to you I want to clear up perhaps a confusion we've had over the years and just make this right up front I want to make this statement if you're following there the mission of the church never changes the mission of the church never changes in fact every church has the same exact mission it's a mission that was given straight from the lips of Jesus before he departed earth and ascended into heaven. And I would like it if we could read it out loud together on our message notes in the first gray box there. Here's the mission he gave his church. Let's read it. It says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now many of you know the words we just read there are called the Great Commission, and in those words, Jesus clearly spells out the mission for his church with a capital C, and what is it? Make disciples. Make disciples. That's true for Cherry Hills, it's true for every other church here in Springfield, it's true for every other church in the world. Jesus is clear, here's my mission for you, go into the world and make disciples. So just to clarify, Vision Sunday is not about Jeff and me standing up here every year coming up with a new mission for us. That mission is set in stone. However, what I would suggest to you is that how every individual church is going to play out that mission is going to be specific and unique to that church. Amen? I mean, we want to sense how God might be asking us here in this community, just as other churches need to ask the same question, how do we best fulfill this mission in the context God has given us? And so uh, this morning, before Jeff kind of gets up and shares his heart of uh, where, we, where were we thinking this might go this morning, we thought it might be a good time for us to kind of review our mission as a church. In fact, some of you sat on this or you're sitting on it right now and you don't even know, would you mind pulling that out for me and just look at it for a second? You're going to notice these are identical to the banners we have hanging up here on the Word. And on this card, you have the mission of our church. I mean, again, the mission, make disciples. And here's how we have sensed God has wanted us to do that here. So let's read the first part of our mission out loud. It's the one on the left there. Can you read that with me? It says, we believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity beginning with ourselves. Let's just pause here for a minute. You've heard us say that? What do you think of when you hear the word disciple? What's a disciple? I mean, if we're about making disciples, what does that look like? 
In our world today, I think uh, we've kind of reduced Christianity down to what I just call easy believism, right? If I just believe certain things about Jesus, that makes me a disciple. I get my ticket punched to heaven and we're good to go. And yet, I'm sure if you've read the Gospels, as you read through the New Testament, there's so much more to it than that, isn't there? The life of a disciple is a radical calling, not just to believe certain things about Jesus. I mean, yes, we have to do that. But it's also to live like he lived. And man, that's hard. That's like a deep kind of radical commitment to Christ. And we have sensed that's what God wants us to go after. Not just this easy, I believe certain things and so that makes me a disciple. No, Jesus had so much more in mind when he called us to be disciples. In fact, if you're following on your notes there, here's the idea, the definition we've had of a disciple. A disciple is someone who is fully surrendered to Christ. Fully surrendered. Not half-heartedly, not little bit, fully surrendered. And so for the last several years, you've been hearing us use that phrase. We're declaring war on shallow Christianity. i got to tell you, everything we do here has this in mind. How can we become fully surrendered disciples? So just an example, we started 2013 with a message series called Whole. Any of you remember that? And the whole point of that was, right, in our culture, it's so easy to reduce Jesus to one part of my life, and yet the Gospels make it clear he owns the whole thing. He owns my whole life, and so we spent time looking at how he owns my body, my time, my money, my marriage, my family, and so forth. I mean, we've got to declare war because it's so easy to fall back into this mentality. I know it is for me, and that's why we say beginning with ourselves. I mean, it's got to start right here. And I would just also add, you know, we're going to start the Ten Commandments series in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. Before we get there, though, Jeff and I are each going to take a week and kind of look at what we think it's going to take to continue to declare this war, to make sure that we're standing firm on this together. So we hope you can join us for the next couple weeks for that as well. Now, with that declaration of war in mind, that led us to ask a question, what kind of things, what kind of things do we need to have happening in our lives in order to move from that shallow kind of faith to the mature kind of faith Jesus wants? And that's where the second part of our mission comes in. And I just want to clarify something. Maybe this has been confusing to you, and I'll take the blame for it. These are not two separate missions. Right? These are all the same mission, and with the help of technology, with the help of the screen, I want you to see, maybe for the first time this morning, how these two have connected. So I'm going to read the first part of our mission, and then I want you to look at the screen to see how these two things are connected. So what? We believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity. Now look, here's how these connect. By becoming and making disciples who? What? Can you read the second part now? Love the Lord. Love one another and serve the world. Okay, look, it's all about disciples, right? That's what we're doing here. It's the mission Jesus gave us. We're becoming disciples, and we're about making disciples. And uh, a good question to ask is, well, where do we come up with these three things? I mean, how do I know if I'm doing those three things? I mean, is that just good words? or that good, cool language there that rhymes? No, we've got this straight from the lips of Jesus, right? The first one, number one, if you're following on your notes, love the Lord. Jesus called this the greatest commandment. One day he was asked a great question. He said, somebody asked him, came up to him and said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And let's read how Jesus responded to that question out loud on the screen together from Matthew 22. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Before we can do anything else as his disciple, we got to do this. 
we got to start by loving the Lord. And by the way, that loving of the Lord never ends. It's what we're going to be doing together in eternity uh, forever. The greatest commandment is that we learn how to love the Lord. And for us, we've kind of stated it this way. You see the line underneath that. For us, that means, you know, worshiping corporately together as a church family by making Sunday mornings a priority and non-negotiable for our families. But also, it means worshiping personally throughout the week. In other words, loving the Lord isn't a once-a-week thing. It's a seven-day-a-week thing, isn't it? And so we're learning how to read God's Word, the Bible. We're learning how to pray and practice other disciplines to help us how to love the Lord. Discipleship starts and honestly quite ends with learning how to love the Lord. But the second part of our mission then is once we are learning how to love the Lord, we're number two, we're learning how to love one another. We're learning how to love one another. And this Jesus calls the new commandment. The new commandment, and it's found in John 13. Can we look at the screen as I read this? It says, a new command I give you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, a question we get all the time is, what makes this commandment new? I mean, if you ever read the Old Testament, I mean, that's in there. Certainly, the, they were told, I mean, we've got to learn to love one another. So what makes this new? Well, here's what makes it new. We have now been called to be Jesus' disciples. And as his disciples, he's telling us, love each other like I loved you. It's like raising the bar 100 degrees, right? Love one another in the same way, the same selfless, sacrificial way that I loved you. And you know what's sobering to me about that verse? It says that the way the watching world is even going to know that we're his disciples is by the way we love one another. And the way we've suggested we can do that here at Cherry Hills is by joining a life group or at least being part of some smaller community. You see, unless you're rubbing shoulders with others, you can come here on Sunday morning and disappear, right? But unless you're rubbing shoulders with one another, you're never going to really get the benefit of learning how to love one another. Now let me ask you a question. Is this hard, loving one another? Have you ever been in a life group? It's hard. You want to know why it's hard? Because people are in it. I mean, I know I'm hard to love, and yet, Jesus laid his life down for me. In the same way, unless we're interacting with others, even when it's hard, I mean, we're not really learning how to love. And so, if you haven't made that step yet, you know, today's the last day. You can sign up for this next session of, of life groups, or perhaps a Sunday school class, or some other small group that you can get plugged into. You can do that, by the way, after the service, if life groups is the way you want to go. Now, here's what I'd say. Once we learn how to love one another and uh, love the Lord, our natural response, I think, is going to be, I'm going to want other people to experience this as well, this amazing life we have in Jesus Christ. And so that leads to the third part of our mission, which is serve the world. And as we've already seen this morning, this is called the Great Commission. I think the way we worded that screen thing is really important there. We're not just becoming disciples here. In other words, it's not just self-focused, right? We're also to be about making disciples. And that's what this serve the world thing is all about. And we've described this this way here. We do this best by caring for those outside of these walls, both locally and globally. That's what we want to be about. And when I think about the mission Jesus gave his church, this is where the rubber meets the road. Now, we can, come to, we can come to learn to love the Lord. I can do that with you. I can do that on my own. I can even join a life group. And yet, we will never fulfill the mission he's given us unless we're outside of these walls. 
bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are near and far. So uh, before Jeff comes up and speaks, can we just say this all together now? Here is the mission we sense God has given us at Cherry Hills. Would you say this out loud with me? We believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves by becoming and making disciples who love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. So if that's our mission, the question on the table is, how do we know if it's being accomplished? How do we know if it's really happening? Is there any way to know, is there any way to see whether or not Jesus' mission is being fulfilled in this world? I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and uh, again, what I hope to be able to do with you today is talk to you about this idea of winning. You see, in baseball, we know when a team is winning, uh, like last night when I watched the Cardinals. I knew they were winning or moving in the direction of winning because they helped six runners cross home plate. And it was pretty obvious that they were winning. In the business world, sometimes we know when people are winning, when companies are winning. There's just ways to measure it and market. But in the church world, sometimes it's harder to tell. It's hard to know. And so the question is, is it even possible? So what I want to do in the time that remains is I want to talk to you about something that's kind of given new energy to our staff and to some people in our church that are learning some of these same things. I want to talk to you about what a win is, and I want to talk to you about how you can see it, and then I want to talk to you about how we can share these wins together. That's the name of this message, sharing wins together. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask, if you would, to open your Bibles to Acts 11. And uh, it's about three-fourths of the way back in your Bibles. Acts 11, we're going to start verse 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We have black ones right there in front of you in the seat rack, hopefully, with the word NIV on it. Just pull it out. Turn to page 767. And we're going to talk about how to know if Jesus' mission is winning. Back when we were looking at Barnabas and the Unsung Heroes series... I got so excited one day when I was looking at this verse, uh, it, Acts 11, verse 23. But before we get to that, let me read verse 19 and just set it up. You see, in the early church, when it started in Jerusalem, eventually it spread farther north. And we'll read about it here in verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, we looked at his life last week, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch spreading the word only among Jewish people. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch, which was north of Jerusalem, and began to speak to Greeks also. This had never happened before, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now look at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. One of the ways you can know, we can know, when the Lord's hand is with us, is that people will believe and turn to the Lord. People will go from going their own way, and now they'll, they'll turn. They'll turn to the Lord and say, I'm ready to go your way. The Lord's hand brings that about in a group of people. Verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas up to Antioch. They wanted to say, is, is, that, is that really Jesus' mission winning, or is that just a lot of activity? So read verse 23, if you would, with me. I've listed it there in the second gray box. It 
When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. If you're following along, here's the definition of a win. It means the evidence of the grace of God at work in someone's life, in some group, in some place. It is the evidence of the grace of God at work. I like how this is translated in other translations. It says, when he arrived and saw what God's grace had done. Another one says, when he arrived and saw that God had been both in it from the beginning and also in it all the way. That's just an incredible thing, isn't it? So the grace of God, it's the evidence of the grace of God. So by a win, we don't mean, look at how we win. We're not talking about, hey, our church is better than your church. We're not saying, I'm a better Christian than you are. We don't mean that. We mean evidence of the grace of God at work. What is the grace of God? What's grace? If you're following along in the notes, here's just a simple definition. It's God's undeserved favor to us. It is God's undeserved favor to us. It's his kindness. Somebody has said, God's riches at Christ's expense. His riches, his resources, his power to live differently. And so what happened was, is that when Barnabas got there, notice, this is an interesting word. It says, he saw. He saw it. He saw that Jesus' mission was actually happening, not just in Jerusalem, but also in Antioch. Now look at what he, what he had learned by being in, in Jerusalem before he went up to Antioch. Look at what is also said about the early church in Jerusalem, Acts 4.33. Look at this. Let's read it together. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Some people think God's grace means that's how you start and become a Christian. That's the beginning point, and it's true. There's no way to start in the Christian life. This is what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world, friends. Every other religion talks about how we reach up to God, what we do for God. Christianity comes along and Jesus says, no, it's what God must and only can do in your life. You join him, you participate, but it's what he initiates. He's the source of it. And so look at just a few verses on the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 it says, you know, we used to be dead in our sins. We used to be so self-centered and so just caustic towards other people, but for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the what, friends? Gift of God, not by works that you and I do so that no one can what? There's, there is no room for boasting. It is by grace. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So every time you and I see people fulfilling Jesus' mission, every time we see someone really loving the Lord, loving one another, or serving the world, we need to be able to go, God's grace did that. God's grace made that possible. That's a win for Jesus' mission. Praise God. Now look at some people think that grace, though, means that you and I can just live any old way we want. Sloppy Christian lives. Shallow Christian lives. And that's a misunderstanding of grace. This morning, early this morning, I woke up with this on my mind. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to just us here at Cherry Hills, friends. No, to all people. And what does God's grace teach us? 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly, Christ-centered lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What are we waiting for? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back, friends. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Look at this last part. Eager to do what is good. Now, this is not us trying harder as much as this is God doing something on the inside of us that is a supernatural work. It changes our want to. It changes us all the way from the center. And we know who we are without Christ, and by his grace, we have been saved. So this is a powerful thing. Barnabas saw the evidence of God's grace working in people, and he encouraged it. In fact, he stayed a whole year to help build them up so they could grow in grace. But so what, what happens when God's grace is working in your life? What does it look like if God's grace is working in our church family or your home or where you are? Well, let me just answer that in a couple different ways. This week, as I was thinking about Acts 43 that we just read just a little bit ago, I looked and noticed around it that in the verses just before it and after it, here's what it said. It said that when people were moved by the grace of God, they began to no longer look at their stuff as their stuff. No one, no one considered that it was just mine. But they began to open their hands. They began to open their hearts to see grace had done something powerful in the center of them. And they began to share with anyone who had need. Here's 2 Corinthians 8. It talks about, again, what happened. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Listen to their situation. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, they were broke. They had no resources, and yet they found a way. It welled up in rich generosity. When God's grace is working in your heart and mine, we have a generous heart. We become more gracious towards other people. And also, we have this willingness now to serve. We realize the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, not just to serve ourselves, but to serve other people. There is what we talked about last year. There will be this hunger and humility before God that we cannot explain except for his unbelievable grace towards us. And when we begin to live in that kind of atmosphere, oh my goodness. And so if you're following along, God's grace empowers us to become Christ-centered. Christ-centered. It doesn't just get us to pray a prayer with Jesus and then live like we want to after that. What it does is it helps us keep growing. Did you know you, don't, you and I don't just begin with grace, but we also grow in grace? Look at 2 Peter 3.18, if you would. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's that word? But grow. Let it be the soil that you begin to know, want to know more, that you want to know his resources at work in your situation more and more. To him be glory both now and forever, amen. In a word, when God's grace is working in your life and mine, we will find ourselves wanting to love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world in a way that we never did before. And this can happen. This is the good news that we have to share with other people. This is the kind of people we can become by his grace. And so what we've been doing, I told you, I'd tell you about a practice that we've been learning as a staff. The last few years, this has revolutionized 
our, our staff meetings. We heard about a church that when they gather for their staff meetings each week, they talked about how they share wins. And again, it's not about, hey, uh, what an amazing church we are. Look at what I did. No, it's none of that. It's, do you see any places where God's grace either has already been working or is working? And you, would you be willing to share it? I like how Eugene Peterson says, he said it's like green shoots of grass coming up through the soil. And when you and I begin to go, God's grace is working there, it changes us. And so, again, like you have on your card, like we've seen in the banners, sometimes we'll say, do you see any evidences of people loving the Lord or loving one another or serving the world? So we'll take time at the beginning of our staff meetings. Why do we do this? What have we learned by doing this? What we've learned is that sometimes we don't know all that God is doing. Sometimes God is working in corners and in places. We get so busy or it doesn't look like he's working where we are that just to hear another person say, I saw God's grace in this way, all of a sudden makes us go, God is bigger than we realize. God is doing more than we realize. And it helps. And when people start sharing, hey, this is what I saw with some children and their parents this week. This is what I saw with the youth this week. This is what I saw with the adults. I'll just tell you. So this past week, we did that. We took time. And um, as we went around, different stories were shared. And I can just tell you that when that happened, there was a tenderness that came over the room. There was an awe. There was, we don't deserve God to do this in our midst, but praise his name. Praise his name. And what we've learned is that by sharing wins, it's nothing like bragging or boasting. It's honoring God. It gives him glory. God did that. Only God could have done that. My family says that regularly when they see changes in my life. Only God could have done that. <laughs> Amen. So let me just ask you if you're following along. Sharing wins, honors God, and shows us where to pray. Here's the truth. When we share wins, we don't mean, well, I guess we're done. We see all kinds of ways that God is not yet winning we see all kinds of ways. And what I told the staff this week is, since I've been studying this, I have found myself praying more intentionally, oh God, please let your grace work more in that area of my life. Oh God, please work in that family. Oh God, please work in that corner of the world where it seems so dark. Oh God, may your gracious hand come to bear in that place. And as we've done that, it's just, it's just changed us. <laughs> And so what we want to do is we want to talk to you about sharing wins. We want to kind of model it because in a little bit, we're going to actually give you an assignment of practicing this. We dream of our church regularly, not just in staff meetings, but our whole church family, learning how to share wins. And so again, I'll invite Steve to come and then you're going to get a chance to hear from some of our other pastors as we model this. So I uh, invite you into one of our staff meetings, and I can just say one of the wins um, that I constantly see uh, here at our church that means a lot to me personally, because I grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid, where my dad literally did everything. 
I mean, he did everything in the church. Some of you grew up and you understand that. So when I think about wins here at Cherry Hills, one of the things I constantly see is, you know, when Jeff and I offer this class called Network, uh, where people come and uh, learn that they have spiritual gifts that are vital for Christ to fulfill his kingdom and passions and unique giftings in that sort of way, and we can help them to discover that. And then I actually look out in a group like this, and I see so many of you who are actually using your gifts for the glory of Christ's kingdom. I can't tell you, that gives me... A a huge win. That is seeing evidences of God's grace over and over and over again. And that's when my heart really celebrates because, you know, it's not just about us doing the work of ministry. We're all called to be ministers, right? You're all called to be ministers. We're all called to be ministers. And Christ's church will never be what it was intended to be until we start doing that. And so many of you are doing that. And that is a huge win for me. As Jeff already said, we wanted to give a chance for the other pastors as well to share some of the wins that they're seeing. So take a look at this video. Hey, everybody. My name is Brian Schwarbinger. I'm the family pastor here. And one thing that we we really wanted to do 10 months ago when I, I started this position is we wanted to take the mission of the church, love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. And we wanted to take that down the hall to the preschool and downstairs to the elementary so that we could teach children how to become disciples who love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. And so we've seen some wins throughout the year that children are, are starting to learn this and become that type of disciple. Um, we talk a lot on Sunday mornings about loving the Lord. And, and so we don't just want children who like the Lord or like Jesus or even just love Jesus. We want kids to know exactly how much God loved them that he sent his one and only son. And so when we baptize kids, and we've baptized 21 kids this year, we have a class where children and parents have to come and we talk about admitting our sins, believing that Jesus died on the cross for us, and confessing that he's the Lord of our life. And so kids get it, and they're starting to get it more that they love the Lord in response to God first loving them. Another one we've seen, we wanted to model the life group ministry that takes place among adults with children. And so every Sunday now, in our worship services, we teach and sing and do our offering for about 40 to 45 minutes, and then kids break into small groups for the last 35 minutes. And they sit around and share prayer requests and what's going on with life, and they pray for one another, and they also dig deeper into God's word and the message that we just learned. It's message-based, just like the adults are. So we've seen wins in small groups forming downstairs. And the third win that we've seen is we, we desperately wanted children to know that they could start serving right now wherever they were. And so every semester we choose a different missionary to partner with that the church partners with and the kids learn about them and learn what they do in the country that they serve in. And this past year at Vacation Bible School, the entire theme was serving. And the kids collected money for a missionary partner that we support, Amigos in Cristo. They collected over $3,000. They collected over 300 books for our school partner, Enos Elementary School, over 50 grocery bags for Contact Ministries, another one of our partners. And we bought a picnic table, and the kids were able to make tablecloths for the James Project, a foster care ministry that we support. So over the past year, we've seen some of these wins, and we really do believe that children are becoming disciples who love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. Hey, I'm Brian Wilmarth. I'm the pastor of Congregational Care. I'd love to share some stories that are wins in our church family. There's this, this guy that I know, he, uh, he went to the hospital for some surgery. Surgery went great, it was, it was what it was expected. 
but uh, his recovery was a little rough. He uh, was very disoriented, you know, kind of having trouble walking around. Driving was out of the question. Well, his life group really uh, stepped up to the plate. They were really awesome. They came to visit him. They took care of things around his house, and uh, they prayed with him. There's one guy in particular, when the individual was supposed to be released, he, uh, he came, picked him up, you know, drove him to his house, and even stayed with him that night to make sure that he was going to be okay. I mean, they, they, they showed up to meet needs. It was pretty cool to see that. I think sometimes these stories, these wins, don't have to be big things. They don't have to be grandiose. They can actually be small things, too. There's a, a lady in our church family who's uh, having trouble seeing. She can't see as well as she used to anymore. And so this other lady, she goes to her house and um, she reads her the church newsletter and, and shares with her uh, the prayer requests of the church family. And they can pray together. Like That's really awesome to see how, how people can do things like that. I mean, this is happening in our church family. These are the stories that we hear. I think God is at work making wins. Hey, Cherry Hills, my name's Pastor Lee. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, and I'm at The Rock right now in front of you guys. Uh, this is where our youth standalone building is. And we just want to share with you some wins this last school year that we've got to see and really have blessed my heart and things I just want you to know that is happening well over here. One of the areas that we see a win is in our worship on, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights with our junior high and senior high. And I just want you to know this, that our kids are becoming more free at worship. And in that, they're raising their hands, they're closing their eyes. If they feel like they need just to stop and pray, they do. But one of the biggest things for me that blesses my heart is seeing some of our junior high boys, Wednesday after Wednesday, just getting out of their chairs, coming off to the side, and just putting their arms around each other and just singing to the Lord together. And it's just so cool to even turn the volume down and hear what they're doing. Another one we want to share with you is the blessing of, of just the, the senior high kids wanting to make this youth group a family. And we want to see that anyways, but they want to see that even more so. And one of the ways they do that is this summer they've taken the opportunity when they can to go out to eat together afterwards so they can spend more time together and just be together, hearing each other's hearts, talking to each other about what God's doing in their lives, and just praying together. And the final one I want to share with you it's just we get the privilege this year of taking three trips to serve in our world. One trip went in January with Bethany Rollett, our girls ministry director. She took a team of our students down to the Dominican Republic and served with a missionary down there and came alongside a bunch of kids and just had fun. Quite a few of our team members came back feeling called to the ministry someday because of that trip. We also got to take uh, in, in July or June a trip to MFUGE, Mission Fuge in Louisville, and we got to work in the area of Louisville in different ways with the homeless. We got to see kids play alongside kids. We got to see kids do construction to help ministries that don't have the money to redo their buildings. And just recently, we saw Chris Paoni, our senior high director, take a team to Minnesota to do a VBS in an Indian reservation and just how they got to work alongside those kids and share the gospel with those kids. So I'm very blessed to be here and just thank you for all your support in this. And we just thank you, Cherry Hills. And uh, I was thinking about one of the wins. There's several that I just have been able to observe, and that is that the last couple of weeks, um, there's a family in our church that's going through a really, really difficult time. And I was standing with the husband, the dad, this weekend, 
he was just saying, um, you know, as hard as this has been, we've been praying together as a family. And I said, now, did you do that before, or is that kind of new? And he said, um, oh, no, he said, my wife and I, we came from a background when we went to church that you were taught that, you know, that's a private thing. But we've been learning that God wants us to pray together out loud as a family, too. And so we've been practicing that. It's a little awkward at first, but we're learning how to just call on God together. And I just remember thinking, wow, one life at a time, one family at a time, one home at a time, things can change. And it was just evidence that God was doing something gracious, and they knew it in their family, even though it's a really hard time. So I want to just ask you, what about you? Would you be able to share a win? Do you have some things that have been coming to your mind that maybe have been true in your life and you've just never thought about it that way before? You say, well, man, I never thought of it. But that's an evidence of God's grace in my family or that's an evidence of God's grace in my own life or that's an evidence of God's grace in our church family or at work or at school. What might it be? So if you're following along, where do I see, not just Barnabas, but where do I see evidence of God's grace at work? Now, we want to just give you a couple ways that maybe you could apply this. The first, if, if you know of a win that you just want to share with our church family, feel free to email us at this email address. You can go to our website and, and click contact us as well, but it's chbc at cherryhillsfamily.org. And uh, the other thing is if you'll take out your card, we hope that you'll use these cards maybe in some way to help you just remember the mission. What we've learned is that by sharing wins, it focuses us more. It reminds us what Jesus wants us to be up to. And so, again, you can put this in your Bible. You can put it on your fridge. You can put it in your bathroom mirror. You might put it in your car. Someplace just to remind you the mission that Jesus wants us all to be about each day. And then here's the last thing we thought about doing. And I know we don't do this very often where we ask you to turn and talk with some other people, but we feel like this might be an idea to just try today. So we want to ask you, if you would, just to turn and talk with at least two or three other people. If you're not comfortable sharing anything, just take a pass. Say, I'm still thinking about all this. That's fine. But if someone in your group has and says, I can mention a win that I've seen, then, then share it with each other. And we'll just give you a couple minutes to do that. So why don't you turn and make sure, make sure no one's left out if possible. But can you turn to at least a couple other people and share now? Go ahead. And just so we can walk out of here one more time, just saying it all together, this is just an opportunity to kind of affirm this from your own heart. Let's read this one more time, together out loud. We believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves, by becoming and making disciples who love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. And so, before we go, we just thought it might be a good idea for Steve and I to pray kind of a pastoral prayer over you and our church, ourselves, that God might help us to do this very thing that we sense without question He's calling us to be a part of. So would you pray? Would you bow your Lord, we thank you for this time we could have together this morning, and we remind ourselves once again as we leave this place that all authority belongs to you, Jesus. 
all authority belongs to you and you have given us every resource we could possibly need to fulfill the mission you've given us. It is a high calling and a high responsibility, but Lord, help us to be a group of people who are becoming and making disciples. Disciples who are declaring war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves by learning. None of us are perfect, but continuing to learn to love you more to love one another just as Christ loved us, and to make an impact by serving this world, being salt and light in this place starting right here in Springfield. God, you have the authority to do that in and through us. We pray that you will in the days and weeks and years to come. Lord, uh, any win that we have to share is because of your grace upon us your gracious hand with us. And so we realize that there are people that are far from God that you are drawing to yourself. We pray they'll know your grace. We know that there are some of us that we have wandered away from you after following you and you are bringing us back and we acknowledge you. We thank you for that evidence of yet your grace again. But Lord, also we pray that there would be more and more of us learning how to love the Lord, love one another, and serve the world. And so we want to celebrate every evidence of your grace in this city, even if it's in another church, another group of people. Thank you, God. Thank you. Give us eyes to see more often your green shoots of grace. And when we see it, let us be quick to honor you and give you the glory and share it with others that they might be encouraged too. So now, God, as we go, would you teach us how to share wins together? and keep on mission. We pray all this for Jesus' sake, and everyone agreed and said, amen. If you want to send an email, you can. There'll be people down front. If you want to pray, have a good day.